It was a very cruel scene, executed in an unusual manner. Hey, Cruel Coven. Hey, nerds. My name is Tori. My name is Katie. Welcome to Cruel and Unusual. The podcast. Here we are. Here we are. We are here. Mm-hmm. The inauguration happened. It happened. And it was actually peaceful. It really from was. From what we saw. But the fucking poetry. Amanda Gorman was flawless. Mm-hmm. Loved it. I didn't, I didn't get to watch most of it while it was happening, but I had yeah. to watch it after. So, I mean, our dark, sad, scary prediction didn't come true. Thank God. And it went really fucking well. And that's beautiful. And I really, really, really hope that that is a sign that we have hurdled something. Mm -hmm. I'm just hoping that that means that we're on to bigger and better fucking things. That's hope. Right? Okay. Do you have an article today? I do have an article. Should I go first or should you go first? Um, Whatever you want. What are you feeling? I'm... No, you go first. Okay. Okay. This is one that you might have seen floating around. I would just like to inform you all that I saw it. First. First, before fucking ABC7 News Chicago latched onto it. Latched on. It's not even from Chicago. So you might have seen this. I don't know, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway because it's equally horrifying and hilarious. Okay. The, this is by Brianna Grant. The headline says, police say Oregon man who stole a car with a child in the back seat came back and lectured the mom about parenting. Oh my God. So the police in Oregon are looking for a man who they say stole a car with a child in the back seat only to return the four-year-old and reprimand the mom about her parenting. The theft took place outside of a grocery store in Beaverton, Oregon. Beaverton? I think that's where our friend Nancy Brophy that killed her husband, the author, that allegedly killed her husband was from. You know that I actually saw, someone did a YouTube video on it not long ago. Oh, really? It was after we did it, I think. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Okay, so on Saturday, when the mom left the car running with the child in the back seat, local (sighs) authorities said. I'm not into mom shaming. No. But you gotta, you gotta look harder. Yeah. You gotta be stronger. (laughs) And you got to do smarter. You got to be tough. And also don't steal cars. Like, neither one of them are, right. are being great They're here. They're the fucking so, wrong. It says the mother left the car unlocked and went inside to buy a gallon of milk and some meat, according to the Oregonian. The thief happened to walk by and hopped in the car, the New York Post reported. He soon realized the four-year-old was in the back seat and pulled back, back into the parking lot, returning the child to the mother, <laughs> but not without scolding her, according to Beaverton police. He actually lectured the mother for leaving the child in the car and threatened to call the police on her. A Beaverton police spokesman, Matt Henderson, told the Oregonian, The thief ordered the mom to take the child before driving off in the car. (laughs) Obviously, we're thankful he brought the little one back and had the decency to do that, Henderson said. Like, (laughs) so I think he took it again. (laughs) No! I think you brought the baby back and yelled and took it again, drove off. I mean, it did kind of impede with his plans a little bit. He's like, I don't want this fucking kid. If I would have wanted children, I would have had some. Okay, lady? What? I just want your car. The audacity for you to leave your kid in the car. Yeah. And then fuck up my plans to take it. (laughs) Here's your kid. I'm taking the car. Yeah. God. Could you imagine? Right? Oh. But think god he brought that kid back you know there was one like that not too long ago around here yeah and the guy took the car 
or the van. I think it was a minivan. Yeah, there was a little boy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and but he he was later found not back at the gas station, right? But somewhere. somewhere else. Yeah. yeah, I think he dropped him off somewhere. But <gasps> shit, he was God. Gonna, he's gonna come back and yell at the mom for leaving the kid in the car, which and fine. Then commit but, an illegal, another illegal. You, you know, one time. My parents had the kids, and they were going to something at the Moose Lodge. Oh, and sounds like a damn. Hannah, she was like a lot smaller, and she was just being a fucking shit. My, according to my dad, I wasn't there, and so my dad, she didn't want to get out. She didn't want to come in. Oh, so my dad left her in the car and like walked just a few feet away. Yeah, and somebody was almost calling the cops on him. Oh my! My dad God. would never. He was just no. trying to like scare Hannah. He yeah. was never going to take his eyes off of her. Yes, but. Yeah, these people were freaking out, which I mean, I get it. That's I understand, nice. but it's, it's just my funny. dad's my dad. They don't know your dad, no. so they wouldn't know. <laughs> Real quick before I do my article, I have two disclaimers. One is I listened to our episode last week. I think I said this in the group already, um, but in case you are a listener of ours and you're not in the Facebook group, I said truly approximately 797 times <laughs> yeah what the fuck i say it every other word truly 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 <laughs> i gotta stop if you hear me saying truly i'll snap yeah do you have a water bottle i can spray you no but i'll i'll try and get one before <laughs> okay. the next episode you work on that yeah terrible um number two is we and by we i mean i <laughs> decided for us <laughs> to start doing a combo before the combo for our Patreon members. And that's basically just like when Katie gets to the house, to the office, we're going to record for 10, yeah. 15 minutes before we start. Because I think on Patreon before, on a lot of the tiers, one of the um, benefits was the shit, shit talking, talking after, after show. show. But the thing is, by the time we're done recording, it's been hours. Mm-hmm. And we're done. And we're we done. Don't we have, have nothing else to say. No. Our mouths are really dry. <laughs> we don't even speak to each other. No. Katie just silently leaves. <laughs> I just sneak out. Bye. So when we were filming the first one, right before... Recording? Yes. When we were recording the first one, right before this, Katie said, do you have an article? And I said, yes. And I lied. Because I don't. <laughs> you fucking bitch. I knew but it. But I do. I have I one now. It. Don't okay. worry. Don't worry. All right. Okay. So mine is from... NY, that stands for New York, oh. dailynews.com. All right. <laughs> and the title, the the headline, if you will, is The Verdict is In, and These Are the 10 Weirdest Crime Stories of 2019. I'm not going to read all 10. Okay. Obviously, that would be like a mini, that would be a Patreon episode. It would. Um, but I'm going to read just one, maybe two if it's short. This is all a direct quote from the NY, New York, dailynews.com. As long as there's been time, there's been crime. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> and 2019 was no exception. This roundup of crimes committed during the year runs the gamut from a horny woman who burned down a booty caller's house oh, to several men who sexually assaulted animals. There was also a head found in a box of sex toys. <sighs> All right. Okay. <laughs> Number one, three men sexually assaulted nine horses, Whoa, a cow, no. a goat, and dogs. What the hell? I suppose this one, since you know I don't read my articles ahead of time, I suppose this one will need a trigger warning for animal abuse. Noah's Ark met Caligula when three Ohio men, with the help of a teenage boy that's fucking gross, mm-hmm. sexually assaulted nearly a dozen farm animals and an unspecified number of dogs. No. Matthew, 33. Mark, 35, and Terry, 41, were all sentenced to prison in April for their bizarre brand of animal husbandry. 
The Twisted Trio did appear to have one standard. All the victims were female animals. Oh, my God. Could you even imagine? Could you? What What goes through, through a head? Through a head. A head. And with the three of them, they were bound to have at least one brain. Right? You know? Okay, here's Shit. a good one. New Jersey woman burns down the house of a man who called her for sex at 4 a.m. and then fell asleep. A New Jersey woman gave new meaning to hot and bothered by burning down the house of a man who called her for a 4 a.m. booty call, then fell asleep. It sounds like me. (laughs) Takes a little nap. (laughs) Tyja Russell showed up at the Woodbury home of a man who had texted her looking for a little action. That man got all he could handle when he awoke to find his house engulfed in flames and eight missed phone calls. Russell has also texted her old flame while he was asleep with love notes like, I see you want to die. That escalated very quickly. Yeah, it did. The victim escaped through a window and authorities rescued his dog. Russell, 29, was arrested for the August attack and charged with attempted murder. And she looks smug, honey. Oh, yeah, she does. I don't think she feels very bad. She does not feel remorseful. What she did. You can't just do that. No. She was ready to fuck. Yeah, she was. And then he fell asleep on her? Yeah. So she burned his shit down. She did. You also, you just, Yikes. you can't, you can't do I'm that. I'm glad they got you that You just dog. gotta take the L. Yeah. Sometimes. You, you gotta. We do not condone burning houses down. No. Arson is wrong. I'm, and illegal. Yes. And I'm glad that they got the dog out. Yes. I'm gonna read one more. Woman's box of sex toys contained her lover's decapitated head. Oh. Yikes. How does that get there, I wonder? I wonder. There are weird neighbors. Then there's Maria Del Carmen. Not only did the Spanish woman ask a neighbor to store a box of sex toys for her, that box contained the decapitated, rotting head of Del Carmen's missing husband. Found him. According to reports, Del Carmen told a neighbor that she wanted the sex toys out of her house while it was being scoured by investigators, (laughs) looking for clues to her beau's disappearance. That neighbor sensed something was wrong when the box started to stink. Yeah. The rest of the victim's whereabouts remain a mystery. Do you think she was using it as a sex toy? I mean, it was in the box, right? It was in the sex toy box. Yikes. Okay. I don't recommend that. I don't recommend anything that I've spoken about thus far (laughs) in my entire life, but especially these. Yeah. So that was from the daily, the nydailynews.com. Terrible. So it's time for the QOTDW. That's what time it is. So the first QOTDW comes from Casey. Casey Calamity. What up, Casey? Mm-hmm. On Twitter. And they say, I have a QOTDW for you. If you were a food-beverage combo, <laughs> what would you be and why? I love food and I love beverages. A bacon cheeseburger and a Dr. Pep. A fucking Italian beef with mozzarella. Uh-huh. And a... Coke. Coke. I would be a large Coke for McDonald's. Yeah. And a large stuffed crust... Pizza with pepperoni. Ooh. From Pizza Hut. There you go. Or a large Coke from McDonald's and precisely six <laughs> battered mozzarella sticks. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. If, yeah, if I'm thinking like what I would want to be looked at as, right. It would be a sprinkled donut. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So that was from Casey on Twitter. Also, Katie had asked a question on Facebook last week. Mm-hmm. And it goes a little something like this. If you were to be murdered by someone, who would be your choice? Or how would you want to go? Dare I say. Dare you. Now stick with me here. Okay. okay. I'm sticking. Dare I say Casey Anthony. No shit. So she could finally 
go to prison where yeah. she belongs. Yeah, that's true. I feel like I would take one. For the team. Yeah. And die. I'll put her away. You guys got to make sure if I had to. Yeah. Be murdered by someone. I'm glad that you chose that first part of the question. And I'm glad that you chose her. Because I don't know who I would have. So I'm going to go with, she one. said, how would you want to go? Yeah. So I'll answer that part. I would not want to go by suffocation. No. That's scary and terrible and awful and the worst. I would not want to go by fire because that would be burning and hot and just very uncomfortable. True. I think I would just want to go to with a simple gunshot and hope that I'm not a lucky one. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Katie, I'm incredibly excited for this episode. I know you're excited because you don't have to talk. Uh Uh-uh. I get to sit back and eat these Sour Patch watermelons I'm already eating and listen to a true crime story. Uh, well, you're going to talk to me, too, because okay, we're going to have a lot to talk about in this case. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you about the unsolved disappearance of Phoenix Colden. I've never heard of her. Not a lot of people have. No, never. Not once. December 18th, 2011, 23-year-old Phoenix Colden got into her black 1998 Chevy Blazer outside of her Spanish Lake, Missouri home and never came back. Mm. Not only is her case incredibly sad, it's mm-hmm. it's terrible. It's everyone's worst nightmare. It's every mother's worst nightmare. It's crazy. This case is wild. You'll see. I say that every time, but mm-hmm. you're, you're going to see. Will I see or will I hear? You'll see and hear. Okay. So as I was researching this, things kept popping up left and right, things that don't make sense, things that made my head spin, plenty of details that are contradictory, which you will also see and hear. Secrets, lies, a very troubled girl. Alibis. Underneath it all. And aspects of the investigation were completely botched. It's one of those cases that we hear about way too often where the missing or endangered person is a person of color and therefore gets little to no attention or coverage. Right. Oxygen did a really intensive two-part docuseries on Phoenix Colden, and I got a lot of the information from there, along with like several websites that we'll link. But the docuseries really laid out the timeline of events. They uncovered stuff that had not been reported on that people didn't know about that the family didn't know about so in this oxygen special that came out in 2018 phoenix's case was investigated by shandrea thomas who is an investigative journalist and she was the first to really listen to the coldens and get phoenix's story out there the news didn't didn't want to pick it up and um she was working with a retired deputy police chief joe delia don't know if I'm saying that right, Joe, but That's so okay. they were the two that that brought the brought light to this case. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to start from the beginning, I'm going to tell you a little bit about who Phoenix is. She was born Phoenix Reeves in California. She was raised there by her mom, Goldia. And Goldia was a single mom until she met a man named Lawrence Colden and they got married Lawrence accepted a job offer in Missouri, and once the family moved out there, Lawrence officially adopted Phoenix, and her last name was changed to match his. Okay. Phoenix is Goldia's only child, and I'm not sure if her biological dad was ever in the picture, but there's really nothing out there about him. Gotcha. So the family is deeply religious, and Phoenix was homeschooled from sixth grade on. She had so many interests that her parents really supported. She mastered the piano, the violin, the guitar. She was the local junior fencing champion. Isn't that cool? That's really cool because you don't hear about that. No, that that's just not something that, like, not a hobby you hear about a lot. Mm-mm. She was described as intelligent, polite, just a joy to be around. 
Her dad, Lawrence, described her as kind-hearted, a happy and pleasant person to have in your life. Goldia, her mom, said that Phoenix had a wonderful sense of humor. She took her schoolwork very seriously. She was just always doing whatever she could to live up to what was expected of her because her household was very strict. Mm-hmm. Goldia had these certain expectations of Phoenix, like how to carry herself. She was supposed to put God first and then family. Sit up straight. Don't cross your legs. Don't be loud. Don't be vulgar. Be neat. Carry yourself in a discreet manner. Be ladylike. Goldia would not yeah. want me to be her kid. No. So this is this is how she was raised. This yeah. is how Phoenix was raised. Very strict, very sheltered. Goldia and Lawrence didn't really let Phoenix go out especially without like meeting her friends first. Goldia expected Phoenix to bring her friends around the house so that Goldia and Lawrence could be the judge, so to speak. Sure. Like, are you good enough to be friends with my daughter? She, she would tell Phoenix, pick friends that are on your level or higher. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but Phoenix, as bright and as good as she was, it's believed that she was also pretty naive. I mean, growing up like that, mm-hmm. it just happens. She like, was I know, protected from everything, right. probably. I know homeschool doesn't always mean sheltered, right. but I think that's the case here. Mm-hmm. Phoenix didn't go out very much, like I said. She definitely didn't have street smarts. She just simply wasn't allowed to even put herself in a situation where she would need street smarts. Right. And I think that really hindered her more than it helped her. I know moms want like the absolute best for their kids. Goldia loved and adored Phoenix so much. It, she was her only child, her whole entire world. Um, but she was overbearing. There's mm-hmm. just no other way to put it. The thing is, I'm sure that Goldia, I was just talking about mom shaming and how much I fucking hate it. And I'm sure that Goldia in her own way thought she was doing everything right mm-hmm. to protect her yeah, and to make sure that Phoenix never encountered any of those things. Because in her mind, she thought by protecting her from those things, yeah, it would never happen. But right. you can't have control over them forever you as can't. much as you want to. And you'll see, I mean, it might be the case with Phoenix. We don't really know. Yeah. But um, you'll see that I think sometimes it does make a kid rebel. Yeah. So after graduating high school in 2007, Phoenix went on to attend the University of Missouri at St. Louis. Now, like I just said, Phoenix was sheltered. She was not a partier, and college was a whole new world for her, as you can imagine. During college, she was living in an apartment with a friend, and she moved back home to her parents' house in May of 2011, about six months before she went missing. She moved back home because, according to... Goldia, they were paying for Phoenix's living expenses and they just couldn't afford it anymore. Sure. So she was going to move back home, commute to school when classes started again in the fall. So she went from having total freedom, being out of the house, being able to do what she wanted, hang out with who she wanted, to being a 23-year-old back home under this strict set of rules. Even though she was 23, she still had to follow these rules. She had a curfew again all of a sudden. Wow. And I'm sure that was just a huge adjustment mm-hmm. for her and for her parents, but especially for her going from having all the freedom in the world to none. Honestly, I'm surprised that her mom, that Goldia even let her go to stay I know, away. I know. 
I was thinking that I think too. that she probably was thinking about her education over the rest mm-hmm. of it, which is great. Makes sense. Yeah. But um, I'm surprised that she didn't have her stay home and like commute to college, yeah. you know? I know. I don't know what that was all about. I don't know if they had to have like some sort of conversation or if she like yeah. was okay with it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But so she was living with a friend in, in this apartment. Mm-hmm. And I know that Goldia, because she says it on the show, would go there and snoop. Really? So I don't think she was like... Really totally letting it go. Right. So back to the day in question, the day Phoenix disappeared. At 11 a.m., Phoenix and Goldia went to church where Phoenix played in the handbell choir. Oh. Their pastor said, like, he was interviewed after the fact... He said that he's thought about it and thought about it over and over. And he doesn't remember anything being off with Phoenix or Goldia that day at Mm -hmm. all. Nothing was unusual. He said it was a normal Sunday. According to Goldia, though, Phoenix said something to her along the lines of, I wish we could get back to the way we used to be. And I'm going to talk more about that later. That'll make more sense later. But I think it was referring to the arguments that they had been having since Phoenix had moved home trying to navigate all of that again they were fighting a lot and i think phoenix just she didn't want that anymore goldia Mm -hmm. didn't want that either and it was it was a relief for her to hear that Mm -hmm. so after church was over the two stopped at a store and then they went back home they got home right before two o'clock and it said in one version of events that phoenix she like changed out of her church clothes she hung around for a little bit she played some basketball and then she went and sat in her car in the front driveway and talked on her phone which was normal for her Mm -hmm. i'm sure she just wanted privacy to talk to whoever she was talking to yeah and then she backed out of the driveway and left at about 3 p.m in another version of events these are both from her parents from i came yeah gotcha i came across both of these in my research it doesn't really make a difference either way but i just want to put both of them out there because one of them this is the one you'll hear a lot okay so in this version of events phoenix went to her room right when they got home and at about 3 p.m she walked into the living room walked right past her dad didn't acknowledge him didn't say a word walked out the front door got into her chevy blazer and lawrence watched her back out of the driveway and drive off this was the last time anybody saw her. Either way. So the mom says one thing and the dad says something else. Yeah. Are they and still pretty together? Much, yeah. Pretty much the difference is one of them says she was in her room the whole time mm-hmm. and then left. And the other one is like she was, you know, shooting hoops outside, talking on the phone and then left. But either way, we know for sure that she backed out of her driveway and left without telling anybody. Yeah. Okay. It wasn't normal for her just like leaving without saying where she was going, who she was going with. And according to the household rules, she wasn't allowed to do that. Just leave. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even at 23. It seems to me like something was very wrong, especially since she had just told her mother she wanted the arguments to stop. Mm-hmm. She wanted to go back to normal. So her mom and dad are very worried, obviously. But Phoenix was 23. And they, I think they kind of just, as much as they didn't want to, they just let it go. They just kind of assumed, oh, she's running to the store, mm-hmm. you know, something. And she'll be back. Maybe she needs to blow off steam. But then morning rolled around. And they realized that Phoenix still wasn't home. She had never done that before. She wasn't the type to go out and stay out all night. So by morning... Goldia and Lawrence were worried half to death. Phoenix wasn't answering her phone. No one had heard from her. They checked with friends and family. They called hospitals. 
but no one knew where Phoenix was. I'm surprised that Goldia even went to bed. Like, you know what I mean? Like, she seems like the type yeah. that would not, for, well, like, until, it, you know. Yeah, from what it sounds like, they were up late waiting for her, yeah. maybe slept a little bit, and then this was all happening very, very early yeah. in the morning sure. when they started calling people. And, God. like I said, I mean, she's 23. They know she's 23. Right. They know that the cops aren't going to do right. much, you know. Right, and you'll hear about that, too. So, early that morning... Goldia called the police. They sent an officer to the house, and this was a St. Louis County officer. So according to Goldia, this officer asked her for Phoenix's date of birth, and the officer was like, that would make her 23. She's an adult. She doesn't need to tell you where she's going or where she's been. She doesn't have to. And Goldia told him, quote, I don't know what wolves raised you, but that's not how we do things here. She's not home when she's supposed to be, and I haven't heard from her. She's missing. I expect you to make a missing persons report. End quote. Good. Now, yes, I mean, Phoenix was an adult. Adults are allowed to disappear if they want to and not tell anyone. Right. The police knew that she had driven off because that's what Lawrence saw, saw her drive off. And it wasn't like someone broke into her house and abducted her. So, of course, they were like, sorry, but there's nothing we can do. I hate Um, that. I know. But I've said it before, and I'll say it again. If the family knows something is wrong, something is wrong. Right. You have moms and dads, and I think especially moms, and I might be biased because I'm a mom. You fucking know when something is wrong. You You fucking know. Right. Wouldn't you rather, I would much rather waste my time, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. and have the mom be wrong. Right. And I I would much rather that. Yeah. So the officer went back to his cruiser and he ran Phoenix's license plate number. He came back and told the Coldens that nothing came up. Was he like checking to see if if that license plate had been pulled over or anything? Yeah, just to see if there had been any like Activity traffic or... violations or gotcha. anything that would let them know where she's at. Got it. Okay, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to double check. They did file a missing persons report, and that was it. Like, according to the officer, that was the most that he could do, and that's the extent of what he did. Now the Coldens have to do the police's job, like we've heard in so many cases, especially cases of missing or murdered people of color. Yep. Goldia and Lawrence searched for Phoenix. They made and distributed flyers. They worried and worked their asses off for two weeks straight. Then, two weeks after they had last seen Phoenix... They found out that her car had been found and taken to an impound lot. What? And guess what? Authorities knew. Her car was found less than three hours after Phoenix left her home. Her parents didn't find out till two weeks later. How? Two whole weeks. And this is what's so fucking frustrating and we talk about Mm. it almost, which is fucking disgusting. Yeah. But that that puts it into perspective. But we talk Mm -hmm. about it almost any time that we talk about a person of color on this podcast. This is the this is it. This is the shit that happens. This is what fucking happens. And it's maddening to Mm me. Like, how is this okay? And I don't understand how this is still happening. Well, to make it worse. Great. They hadn't checked for evidence, prints, nothing. They just impounded the car. So, like, talk about the first 48. The first 48 is long gone now. Wow. Not to mention the car being immediately towed meant that no one searched the area around where the car was found. Right. For evidence. So if there was a fucking cigarette butt or... Yeah, it, it's gone. long gone. It's gone. It's two weeks fucking gone. Yeah. So the Chevy Blazer was found 25 minutes away in East St. Louis, abandoned in a traffic lane. Now, the driver's side door was left flung open, the keys were in the ignition, 
and the car was running. Phoenix's purse, shoes, and ID were left in the car. East St. Louis, Illinois, where the blazer was found, is very crime-ridden. Mm-hmm. Lots of drugs, abandoned buildings, rundown, just not a good part of town at all. And it didn't make sense to anyone that Phoenix would have driven there. I was thinking when you said East St. Louis that that's a bad area. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't totally sure, but I, I was fairly It's certain. known. It's mm-hmm. known. And I would assume that she didn't go there often. That probably wasn't right. a normal spot for she her to be. She was not the type. There's only a few reasons why you would why you would go there mm-hmm. if you don't live there. Yeah. There's only a few reasons. Right. And, and, and you can imagine what they are. Right. And she didn't seem like someone who no, was into anything like not that. not at all. Not to mention, East St. Louis runs right along Highway 70, which is the sex trafficking superhighway of Fuck. America. And St. Louis is one of the biggest sex trafficking jurisdictions in the country. Wow. They're like top 20, if not top 10. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll talk about some theories later, but just it's something to keep in mind. That's I'll where her car in, was found, right I'll there. Keep it in mind. East St. Louis, it's across the Mississippi River, but it's in Illinois. Yeah, right. A lot of people right. don't, if you're not from the area, you, you don't realize that. It's a whole different state. Right. It's, it's so weird. And like I talked about with the Maury Travis case, it seems like it was the sort of thing where different jurisdictions knew different things, but they didn't know they were connected. And a lot of times, different jurisdictions don't communicate they don't. how they're supposed right. to. Right, no. Or how they should, I should say. Yeah. So the East St. Louis Police Department in Illinois, they were the ones who found Phoenix's car. The St. Louis County Police in Missouri were the ones who were told that Phoenix was missing. They weren't communicating with each other because they didn't know that these two things were related. And it just really fucks shit up all the time, man. And Right. And I'm sure that they never ran another search for her license plate again after that. Right, right, right. Wait, so they ran the license plate. But they found it three hours after. So they ran mm-hmm. it after. It wasn't reported stolen. Stolen? It wasn't reported stolen. Oh. So they, so they literally just... thought someone had just left it there. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yep. But we're going to talk more about that, too. Okay. It's, this whole thing is just bananas. Wild. So another thing that I thought was weird was that when the police had Phoenix's car impounded, they did run the plates, like I just said. They ran the VIN number. They found out who it was registered to, the Coldens. It wasn't under Phoenix's name. It was the Coldens. But no one ever called them to say, like, hey, we found your car abandoned on the side of the road. You haven't reported it stolen. So why was it here? Right. No one ever called them. So I don't know. Like, I know you you can't just leave your car there. I think that they were assuming that they abandoned their car. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. So... The general consensus at this point was that Phoenix had been taken from her car because, you know, the door was open. The keys were there. It was running. Her purse was there. Yeah, it looked like someone grabbed her in a hurry, either for sex trafficking or just like some predator got a hold of her. No one in her life, her family, her friends, thought that Phoenix just left willingly to start a new life. No one thought that. There was no reason to think that. Her pastor said she seemed great. Her friends that she'd seen since she came back from college Mm -hmm. said that she was acting normal. She'd gone back to the fencing studio. Her fencing instructor said that she was great. She was asking about private lessons. So why would she just leave? Right. So with all of this fuckery with the car and no one taking Phoenix's disappearance seriously, the Coldens had no other choice but to, once again, do the work themselves. Goldia called all of the local TV stations to try to get exposure 
try to get her face out there, Phoenix's name out there, and they wouldn't even hear her out. They wanted nothing to do with spreading the word about the disappearance of a young black woman because they said it wasn't interesting enough to do a story on. Holy fuck. Mm-hmm. How fucked up is that? They yep. should be fucking ashamed of themselves. And to be a mom hearing that, mm-hmm. sorry, your daughter's disappearance, just no one cares. Mm-hmm. No one wants to hear about that. It's awful. I think I would have went on a fucking rampage. Yeah. So authorities finally decided to bring out some search dogs and a helicopter and search the spot where Phoenix's car was found to see if there was anything left behind. Like Two a scent, weeks late. Uh, yeah. A scent trail or something. But they didn't find anything. Of course they didn't. Nope. God. They already knew that on the day the car was found, there was no sign of a struggle. It was just like she got out and just left it. Yeah. There wasn't any blood in or around the car, but they finally got around to checking the car for DNA. But the only DNA found inside of the car belonged to the Coldens. All of the activity on Phoenix's bank accounts, credit cards, cell phones, social media, it all stopped on the day she went missing a dead end like they had nowhere else to go nowhere else to look until a tip that seemed very promising came in in early 2012 there was a big human trafficking bust in st louis i feel like i remember a lot of headlines about that and the people involved had ties to texas so a tip came in from a man who said that phoenix was abducted by traffickers and taken to texas this man was very specific very detailed in his information and the coldens took this to heart so he called them directly yeah they took it to heart this guy like he knows where phoenix is now the coldens had already spent a lot of their money most of their savings on trying to find phoenix they were doing a lot of legwork themselves they hired a pi and now they were dumping money into this lead like sending PIs down to Texas, like this guy said. And it turned out to be a hoax. Fuck that. This person had no... I didn't remember that. Yeah, this person had no idea where Phoenix was. Um, it ultimately led to the Coldens losing their home. It's just fucking cruel. Like the that mother's hope, you know? Yeah, right. I just can't. Right. And like you, finally. And they felt like they couldn't just ignore it. Finally, you know, because though. what if he? What if? Right, it's exactly. True. You exactly. know what I mean. If you you would follow every fucking lead, yeah. Even if you thought there's a there's a ninety nine percent chance that this could be a hoax, I would still fucking follow right. it because there's uh, there's a chance, right? Mm-hmm. And they felt fucking, like the police were uh, helping them. They hired people themselves. They put everything that they had, all of their savings into this. Lost their house because of this fucker. And what what was he going to get out of it? Exactly. Like. Nothing. So after that, some secrets started to float to the surface. Phoenix's case sat in limbo for a long, long time. This is how, and if you look it up now, this is how her case sits in a lot of articles. All of what I just told you is all that a lot of people knew about her case for the longest time until Oxygen did this documentary in 2018. It became apparent that Phoenix was not who her parents thought she was. Oh, fuck. And most of the details that they knew about her disappearance were completely wrong. Dun, dun, dun. This wrong information, like I just said, this wrong information is all still out there. Man. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so So you know... So tell me all the the accurate, actual stuff. Okay, 
We're we're getting there okay, now. I'm sorry. Yes, I'm just get I'm getting very passionate. <laughs> I told you about this. This is like intense. This is crazy. But you didn't tell me about any of this. You just no. It had to be a surprise. All, yes. All you told me, you guys. All I know is that Katie fell down a deep ass rabbit hole. I worked on this. Yeah, that's <laughs> for a all long I knew. Time. Yeah, that's all I knew. And it just kept popping up and popping up and popping up like whack a mole. Like mm-hmm. holy shit. Okay, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is right. Gotta gotta change this. Gotta fix that. Okay. So you know how her parents were told that her car was found running with the keys in the ignition and the door open? Yeah. Not true. Shondrea and Joe on the Oxygen Show, they (laughs) met up. It rhymed. Is that why you're laughing? (laughs) (laughs) They met up with the cop who found her car the day she went missing. Three Three hours hours after. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The cop that was called, someone had called 911, probably just a passerby, and said, there's this car sitting here. It can't stay there. Like, you might want to check it out. So the officer that found the car, he said that it was just abandoned, like someone had parked it and left. Like, by the stop sign, he said it looked like maybe they ran out of gas. Sure. It was to the side of the road. No doors were open. No keys were inside. And it obviously wasn't still running. So her parents and everyone else believed for years that that was how her car was found. So remind me, how long after Phoenix went missing did this documentary happen? She went missing in 2011, okay. at the end of 2011, and this documentary came out in 2018. Holy fuck. So like so probably six 16 years. or 17, yeah. Yeah. God damn. Yeah, so everyone believed for for years that her car was found like like she was yanked out of it. Right. No one knows how that rumor got started. Goldia and Lawrence... Neither one of them can remember, like, who told them that at yeah. first. But that was the running story for so long. That also means that the police who were investigating Phoenix's disappearance never talked to the cop that found the car. Right. How would you up. Like, wouldn't that be one of the first things that you do? It would be. But since they didn't give a fuck. Right. They didn't and do it. And the two different jurisdictions. Right. Not, they did not, they did not care other. enough about this young woman. Yeah. To do Mm -hmm. what they are paid to do. Right. But the car actually being turned off and closed up with no keys in it, it it does tell a different story, possibly. Like, if you imagine someone uses a ruse to get her to pull over. Right. She opens the door for whatever reason. There could be a million different scenarios, but she's yanked out. They're not going to stop. They're going to throw her in the back of a van. They're not going to stop to close her door and turn the car off. They don't care. They didn't leave any DNA behind to yank her out of a car. Right, exactly. So it it, This paints an entirely different picture. for sure. Potentially. Yep. I don't know. I mean, it it doesn't mean Phoenix wasn't taken. Right. It doesn't mean she wasn't murdered. But it certainly doesn't look like she was taken from her car as much as it did before this information came out. So another shocker of a discovery that wasn't found out until 2018, we think, is that Phoenix had a secret second cell phone. Oh, God. On the show, we see Goldia showing Chandrea and Joe the contents of Phoenix's car. So she pulls out this bag, says this is everything that that was taken from her car. In the pile, there's like CDs, lotions, random stuff. Yeah. Um, They found a T-Mobile cell phone bill. Her parents never thought much of it. They were all on a family plan together. But when they took a closer look at this bill on the show, they realized that this wasn't the bill for the family cell phone plan. Now, the Colden's car was at the shop. 
it had been for a long time. They were all using Phoenix's car to get around. They relied oh, on, wow. on her and her car. So it wouldn't be weird to have a bill in there yeah, right. that was addressed to the parents. But this bill was for a completely different account. And this account had gone to collections. Phoenix had a second cell phone in her own name, and her parents had no idea. But, I mean, think about it. Why do people usually have a second cell phone if right. it's not for work? Right. They're to, doing To something. hide something. Yeah. So things get a little hairy here. So just bear with me. I'm okay. trying my best to relay this information in an order that makes sense. So the police told Oxygen that they knew about the second cell phone. They'd known for a long time. But watching the show, it seemed like Goldia and Lawrence had no clue about the second phone. But then in another interview, Goldia says that she knew about the phone. So we're really not sure. If if she did know and Oxygen put it out there like she was just finding out in that yeah. moment, that's weird. That is weird. But, I mean, I don't know. So according to Goldia, she found something in Phoenix's belongings with a phone number on it, like some sort of business card or piece of paper. So she went and checked the phone records, Phoenix's line on their family plan, the yeah. records for her phone, to see if this number had been called or texted. And it had. Uh, a lot. This phone number was connected to a guy named Michael. Michael, as it turns out, was Phoenix's secret boyfriend. Oh, God. Okay. She'd only told a very few select friends about him and her relationship with him because she knew that her parents wouldn't approve and the only way to stay in a relationship with Michael would be to keep it on the down low. So remember when I said Phoenix lived in an apartment with her friend while she was in college? Mm -hmm. Oh no. That friend was Michael. Oh Her my boyfriend. God. Her mom yeah. didn't know? No. She said, remember how I said wow. she went to snoop yeah. in the apartment? She said there was nothing there that, that would like wow indicate a guy was living there her parents had no clue like she did tell a couple of her close friends like i said but that's it so according to one of her friends phoenix had gotten that second cell phone so that she could talk to michael without her parents seeing this strange phone number on their bill and asking questions but like i said goldia found michael's phone number on their family bill wow. so that doesn't make any sense Right. That That's why she had the second cell phone. She wasn't right. using it to call him. Right. She was using the phone that her parents gave her. So like, what the fuck? What's the right. point of the second phone? That is not the point. Right. Clearly, there's something else. So Michael, obviously, they want to know like who the hell this guy is. Could he have anything to do with Phoenix's disappearance? Why hasn't he like mentioned that, you know? Yeah. Um, she contacted him constantly. He called her constantly. Yeah. So, of course, like they want to go check him out. So when the police track Michael down and question him, he tells them that he didn't speak, call, or text Phoenix whatsoever on the day she disappeared. Right. It was a lie. He called her right around 9 a.m. that day. They spoke for six minutes. And then at 1.46 p.m., right when they got home from church, Phoenix called him. Mm-hmm. The phone records show that Phoenix didn't speak to Michael when she called him. The second phone call of the day, it went right to his voicemail. So why lie about it, Michael? Right. What are you hiding? Unless you're just afraid. Right. You want to know something else? Fishy as fuck. What? Michael did not try to contact Phoenix once. Not once after she went missing. Now, this was not all over the news. How? He was not in their like, inner circle, like at home. Right. Sure. How would he have known and why right. they were constantly in contact all night, all right. day, talking. They talked for like an hour and a half the night before. 
So why? Why aren't you calling her? Okay. They were in constant contact. 10 plus calls a day for months. Once she went missing, he never tried to call her again. Let's just say, you know, I have a boyfriend Mm -hmm. in Ohio. Yeah. Okay. And we text and call each other every day, all day long. Mm -hmm. And one day I I don't text him back. He would fucking keep texting me. Right. Where are you? What are you doing? Are you mad at me? You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. So it made that that, that's fucking shady. That's not right. Michael called Phoenix at nine that morning. She got his voicemail at 146. She left the house at 3 p.m. Could he have broken up with her over the phone that morning? That six minute phone call? Mm-hmm. And then when she called him later and got sent to his voicemail, is that why? Was he ignoring her? Right. Because he broke up with her? I don't know. Did he block her number? Right. She left the house about an hour after getting sent to voicemail. So was she feeling just like really shitty because they'd broken up? Or maybe they were fighting about something and he, he cut her off? Like, I'm not going to answer right. your calls. I, I can't talk to you right now. Was she going to see him or confront him? Did he become enraged and do something horrible and dump her car on the side of the road? Probably not. His DNA wasn't in there, but... Right. But I mean, still. I don't know. So, and you know how I said that they had talked on the phone the night before for like an hour and a half? Mm-hmm. When Michael was questioned and asked like what they had talked about, Michael said he couldn't remember. You do. You remember an hour and a half conversation. Right. You do. I'm sorry, but you do. We don't know if he had anything to do with the disappearance. It's possible, but who the fuck am I? Because Michael is not, was not, ever in the slightest a person of interest. Never. Never. They've ruled him out completely. How? I don't know. Like, how? The police won't say. I don't know if he had an alibi or like, I don't know. Um, On the Oxygen show, they do go to his apartment and attempt to talk to him. And he was there. The security guards saw him peeking out of his window. But Michael refused to come out and talk to them. So back to the second cell phone, because that's still just like lingering in the air too. Like I said, the second cell phone was in Phoenix's name. And that meant that her parents couldn't see the call logs. The police had the call logs. They'd gotten them, but they refused to release any information pertaining to them. Um, They've also tracked Phoenix's movements via GPS pings on both of her phones from that day. But they won't release any of that either. And I think that's, I think they don't want every single piece of information available to the public, which they do sometimes. Right. I mean, if you put everything out there, what do you have left? Right. They just, I guess they just don't want to jeopardize the case. What are they doing anything for it? According to them, yes. Yeah. But my thing is, if Michael was 100% ruled out as a suspect, they must have other evidence from Phoenix's second cell phone that led them in a different direction. Right. I, I don't know. Maybe not enough evidence, but something. According to authorities, human trafficking, abduction, and murder are still all on the table. So they haven't gotten very far. No, clearly not. No. Now... Another shocky shocker. Phoenix moved back home in May when that school year ended, when her college year ended. Mm -hmm. She was a junior. She still had more time in college before she graduated. So she was going to live at home, like I said. And when the fall semester started, she was going to start commuting for her last year. And remember, that was because Goldia and Lawrence were paying for that apartment. They couldn't afford it. Right. So she was going to come back home and commute for her last year. Except... She didn't. She no. told everyone she was in college, taking classes, but she had never signed up or enrolled for the fall semester. Of the la- of her senior year. Okay. Yes. Phoenix was on the dean's list. She excelled in school. She loved school. 
So why would she just up and quit? Especially her last year. Yeah. That's a lot of fucking work. You're so close to being hard. Yeah. Now, we know she had some close friends who she confided in about, like, her secret boyfriend and things like that, but she told no one that she wasn't going to school. There was a close friend on the show who Phoenix had known for years and years, and she lied right to his face about being in school. So that's weird. Right. So we now know that things were not all sunshine and rainbows in the Colden home. There were secrets, lies, a double life almost. Mm -hmm. So Chandrea and Joe, they were able to speak with some of Phoenix's friends on the show. And one of those friends was a woman named Akira. Akira and Phoenix were neighbors for years. They hung out all the time and Phoenix felt really comfortable around her. They were really, really close. And Akira was devastated when Phoenix went missing. They were best friends. She said it over and over again. Akira told Oxygen that Phoenix would vent to her all the time about her parents, about how strict they were, and how much she didn't want to be homeschooled anymore. She wanted to, like, go to prom. She wanted to experience different things and have, like, a normal, quote-unquote, normal life like Akira had. Ben, just so you know, Akira's life being, quote-unquote, normal basically meant that she was a bad influence on Phoenix, according to Goldia. She, she thought that Akira was not on her level. Yeah. Wow. So that's so sad I to know. me. I know. Especially because it seemed, I mean, I guess I don't really know that much, but it seems like Akira was a good friend. Yeah. And you can tell if you watch the show how much she cared. Yeah. Akira said that Phoenix wasn't even allowed to leave the front porch when Akira would come over to see her. And this was at like 16, 17 years My old. God. Yeah. So according to Akira, when Phoenix moved back home in 2011... Everything went downhill with her very, very fast. To Akira, Phoenix seemed depressed. She was easily agitated, just down and not herself at all. Akira said that Phoenix was starting to become very paranoid very quickly. Phoenix told Akira that she thought someone had been following her. She kept telling Akira, someone's after me, someone's after me. She felt like something was going to happen to her. And Akira was like, who? Who's after you? What's going on? But she didn't really seem to get a straight answer from Phoenix. And I think Akira just, she didn't know what to do with that. Right. So. There's hmm. not much she could do. Right. What do you do if she won't tell you? Right. What what do you do? Right. So a week before Phoenix disappeared, she and Akira had a fight over something stupid. Phoenix, in her paranoid state, I guess, accused Akira of bad-mouthing her to other people, talking shit about Phoenix and her boyfriend. Akira denied it. She said she wouldn't do something like that to her best friend. They go back and forth for a minute, and then Phoenix pulled out a knife that she kept in her driver's side door. She pulled a knife on her best friend. So she didn't come at Akira with a knife, but that's just not right. That wasn't her. Yeah. That wasn't Phoenix. It's just... It was like someone else entirely took over her body in that moment. Mm-hmm. So then Phoenix told Akira, right right when this was happening, that she was going to pack up her things and leave. Akira asked her, like, where are you leaving to? Where are you going? And she just kept saying, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. I have to go. I have to get out of here. So that was the last time Akira spoke to or saw Phoenix. That was a week before she disappeared. 
Wow. So that's something to think about. Yeah, that's like a whole other picture. Yeah, this sweet girl who right. goes to church and is on the dean's list right. and isn't allowed Fencing. to leave the house. Right. And she's a master fencer. And she's paranoid. Pulls out some... a knife. Right. Yeah. And she's paranoid that someone is watching her and she tells her yeah. best friend that she needs to leave. Yeah. So another thing that was discovered during Oxygen's dig into this case was a video that Phoenix took of herself on November 15th, 2011, about a month before she disappeared. In the video, we see Phoenix sitting in a car. I don't know if it's her car, but she's in a car. She's sitting there. She's crying into the camera. She's sighing. She's obviously in mental distress. Yeah. She records herself saying, quote, got ditched. This is ridiculous. I just want to start over. I feel like I can't start the new me over. People don't give a fuck. I don't know. I've got to see things for what they are, you know, like instead of thinking about it like that. See things for what they are. Lord, please help me accept the things that won't change and that I won't change the things that I can't change. End quote. So like a prayer. Yeah. Watching the video, like I said, from her body language and her tone, she was very troubled. She went on to say, quote, That's why I don't like talking to people when I'm mad or whatever, because I say shit that I don't mean, and that's when you learn to hold your composure. I want people to take me seriously. I want to be happy, man. I can't remember a time I was happy. Genuinely happy. I feel so stupid because I let myself go a little bit. I probably would have been in a better situation if I would have stuck with how I used to be. But might as well ride in the back with the cops all up in here. The only person that won't let me down is me. End quote. Ugh, that's so We sad. don't know what this specific thing is, what she did, what she got herself into, the thing with the cops. And, and also, I wonder why she filmed that. If it was for later, like to go back and look at it and remind herself how she right. felt. I think maybe she felt like she had to let it out, but she couldn't to anybody right. around her. But it seems like she got herself into something and she's deeply regretting it. Yeah. Um, it just goes to show, like, so her parents thought that she was one way. Her friends, besides Akira, her pastor, her fencing instructor, didn't seem to notice that she was in distress. And I feel that because, like, for some people, it's second nature to hide what they're feeling from right. those who they don't want to know or right. who they don't want to let down, people they don't want to bother. Right. I'm great at that. Yes. <laughs> but clearly, as if it weren't clear enough by now, no one knew who Phoenix Colden really was. And I think she didn't even know. No. And she was in, we do know she was in major distress, maybe in danger even, just before she disappeared. Right. It almost seems to me like she was one way for a very long time, which is like this obedient Mm -hmm. young woman who did everything that her parents wanted and asked and needed of her. Yeah, and then and went then to she college. Kinda, right, and then she kind of fell off a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like she is like realizing now that her falling away from that led her to something that she didn't want to get mixed up in. Right. And she wishes that she could be the way she was before, in hindsight. But at the same time... It's like something she can't get out of. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I just I wish know. we knew what that was. Me too. So... We know about Michael, Phoenix's boyfriend, who she secretly lived with at school. She'd been dating since she was 19. He was sketchy with the phone records, etc. We talked about that. But Phoenix had another secret boyfriend. Another Michael, in fact. Oh my god, what? Yeah. 
So according to Akira, Phoenix didn't want to be with Michael number one anymore. She wanted to break up with him for whatever reason, but she just, she couldn't or she didn't. And she started seeing this other guy. So this Michael, Michael number two, he worked at a cell phone store. Oh, fuck. It's believed that Michael number two was the one who set Phoenix up with her second cell phone. And he was the one who she was talking to with that phone. So that's... Okay. Why she had the second phone. He got it for her. He set it up for her. So and that she was is contacting second Michael. Him. That's Michael number two. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like I said, she didn't seem to care that her parents knew she was calling Michael number one. Right. So was she hiding Michael number two from her parents? From Was she hiding him from Michael number one? Because they were, she was dating hiding, them at the same time. Hiding from everyone. From everyone. Yeah, from everyone. So it turns out that Michael number two, cell phone Michael, he has a restraining order against him for an alleged act of violence against his ex-girlfriend. Michael number two. This is Michael number two. This is cell phone Michael. So Oxygen actually sat down to talk with this ex-girlfriend. The one who filed this against him. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she told them that after a little while into the relationship, he started becoming very physically and mentally abusive. According to her, Michael number two's ex, around December of 2011, right after Phoenix disappeared, Michael began researching missing persons cases, especially Phoenix's case. He was very, very interested in like the direction they were going in Phoenix's case. Mm-hmm. Um, he told her that he was just interested because he was a psychology major. It interested him, and that's all it was. But to her, it started to become more like obsessive than just pure curiosity in keeping up with the case. It was yeah. it was an obsession, and this caused rifts in the relationship. So one night they were having an argument and this Michael, Michael number two, he admitted to this ex-girlfriend that Phoenix was a customer at his his cell phone store. And after a little bit more prodding, he admitted that they had a sexual relationship. He, he and Phoenix. Well, which he was we kind with of that knew. woman. Yeah. Okay. So okay. this means that he, yeah, he was cheating on her with Phoenix. And Phoenix was cheating on him with Michael on, number yep, one. Fighting. With Michael number two. Yep. With, cheating. No. <laughs> nope. I know. Isn't <laughs> it a bunch of stuff? It truly is. And Phoenix <laughs> was cheating on Michael number one with Michael number two. Yes. Got it. Exactly. Okay. We're all on the same page. Yep. It's okay. And allegedly, so this is coming from Michael number two's ex. He asked her, why are you so worried about someone who's dead? So, I mean, she said that, I mean, since she was in a horrible situation with this guy, yeah, right. she, it wasn't really her first instinct to be like, wait, what? Dead? What do you mean? No, her, in, that's not, not right. what her headspace was. I think maybe she just assumed that he assumed that because right. it had been so long. Right. I don't know. Right. But um, that's what he said. Well, and also maybe, I mean, it's, it wasn't on the news. It still wasn't, you know, being talked about, right? Not a lot. So maybe she didn't even know that she wasn't dead. Right. Or like didn't think about it. Yeah. You know, maybe she didn't know one way or the other. Right. Exactly. So Oxygen actually found Michael number two. And when they confronted him at his house, all he told them was, I have a lawyer. Call my lawyer. Talk to my lawyer. I'm not speaking to you. Wow. Um, So they did. They called his lawyer. And the lawyer was like, no, he can talk to you. I have no issues with that. There's no reason why he can't talk to you. So they called Michael back to be like, hey, your lawyer said you can speak with us. What's up? He never returned the call. So we don't know. So he just blatantly did not want to talk to them. Right. So, for uh, whatever yeah, reason. He's, he's either been through the runaround with the police before and he doesn't want to like incriminate himself or he knows something. Right. So are you ready for another bombshell? No. 
Another bombshell. Phoenix was taking money from her parents. Oh, no. According to what Goldia told the private investigator who she had hired to look into Phoenix's case in 2012, the Coldens had a safe inside of their house, and Phoenix would get into the safe and steal savings bonds. She would take them without her parents knowing, and she would go cash them. This was before she moved back home, too. This was while she was in college. She ended up getting around $2,500 total from the bonds. That I mean, it could mean that she was trying to stockpile money because right. she was planning on leaving. Maybe she had to pay someone to help her leave. You ready for another bombshell? No, I said. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm going to slap your hand. Phoenix has not one, but two birth certificates. What? Yeah. So one is under Phoenix Reeves. Oh. Goldie's maiden name and right. Phoenix's last name before Lawrence adopted her. Right. And the other is under Phoenix Colden. I mean, it could mean that Phoenix found this other birth certificate and decided to assume a new identity under Phoenix Reeves. Right. She has another name readily available to her that she could use. She could take that. She could get another driver's license. Right. Like, I mean, I don't know what you have to do to get all that stuff but you've never done it i never changed my last name no (laughs) yeah right no but yeah it's there it could be done so here's the kicker oxygen and this is the kicker yeah there's another kicker okay oxygen and their super sleuths they ran a skip trace on the name phoenix reeves Mm -hmm. to see if anything popped up they found four people with that name living in the u.s They were able to disqualify, so to speak, all of them but one. One person named Phoenix Reeves is living in the U.S., but the skip trace showed no identifiers, so no date of birth, no social security number, no relatives, but the name did have an address associated with it. Mm -hmm. So this Phoenix Reeves that they found, they lived at that address from January 2012, two weeks after the disappearance, to June of 2012. The address is in Anchorage, Alaska. Wow. So before January of 2012, this Phoenix Reeves, this particular one, didn't exist. What the and after hell? Yeah, and after June of that year, they didn't exist either. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So according to the guy that, that ran this skip trace, he's a retired um, law enforcement. I think I'm, I, I don't remember. I'm sorry. But it's not normal right. for this database that he uses to have so little information on someone. Mm-hmm. Oxygen went to that address. Oh, my God. In Anchorage, Alaska. And it turns out the same woman has owned and lived in that house from 2002 or something. She's never seen Phoenix before. She's never heard the name before. She never rented out any rooms or anything like that. She never had anyone stay at her house and they went basically they the entire neighborhood they knocked on all of the doors showed them phoenix's picture yeah asked if they had seen her if they knew the name phoenix reeves and no one had but that's weird so is it possible that she was just using that address just i think it probably something could, it's like possible. to get a job or like something i don't yeah, know to it's do possible something. but that's it's weird I isn't just, it yeah right after she disappeared that name shows an address is it two weeks after yeah. Yeah. I don't... Because we've gotten mail here for someone who has never lived here. I've known, right. I know everyone who's lived in this house. Yeah. And it makes me wonder. Yeah. Like, did they just get it wrong? But that's not a name from anywhere around here. Yeah. So it's just weird. It's just that's strange. what it makes me think of. Especially for that name in the database to have nothing else by it. Right. No- and nothing before and nothing after. Yeah. So are you ready for another bombshell? 
Another one? I'm just one? looking at her. I'm Another just one. At her. Okay. <laughs> Goldia found a note in Phoenix's belongings, and she knew that this was her daughter's handwriting, but it looked like the note was written in a very rushed and hurried manner. The note was on a piece of paper with the date of December 18th. That's It's the date Phoenix went missing. Yeah. December 18th. According to Goldia... It read something along the lines of, We need you to make up your mind before 2012, or else I will show you what I can do about your parents. During an interview on Real Talk with Tamara, Goldie says that she doesn't think this note was like to or from anybody. She didn't think that Phoenix like got it from someone or was going to give it to someone. It was like Phoenix was jotting down something that was relayed to her. Yeah. Like something someone was telling her and she was writing it down really fast. Yeah. Is what it seemed like. Right. That's from Goldia. So we we don't know for sure. It seems like a, a pretty viable idea. Right, right. Who would be after her parents? But though? yeah, it sounds it sounds threatening. Like someone was going to hurt her parents. Right. And but maybe it's not like my first thought was Someone must have something on her parents or something. Yeah. But then my second thought was, or it's some kind of like fucking cult or something. Yeah. And they're just using the parents as a way to get to her. Right. Because they want her. Or it's totally out of context. It's from like a literature class or something she was taking. And yeah. it could be something or completely. But it's, it's paranoia. Yeah. That's true. And she's hearing things yeah. or seeing, you know what I yeah. mean? Or Mental. someone really did have something on her parents, right. and she is their prized possession. Right. And she was taken because of it. There's so many ways it could go. It could explain why she was pulling back from everyone in right. her life. I don't I don't know. So we're going to go over some theories, because this is basically everything that we know That's about where it stops. Phoenix's disappearance. Yeah. So the first theory is that Phoenix could have been snatched right from her car for sex trafficking. Sure. Her car was found in a horrible area, very close to the human trafficking superhighway, Interstate 70. But if she was taken in a hurry right from her car, would this predator have like taken the time, like I said, no. to shut her car off? No. Take your keys, close her door. No. If I was a predator, I would not. No. There's no way. Would I would want to get in and get out and right. throw no her time. in the back of the van or mm -hmm. something and go. The more you do and the more time you spend trying to clean up shit, yeah. is more time that you can get caught. Yes. And Tori knows because she's a cat burglar. Yes. <laughs> I mean, but it's just like, yeah, no, yeah. I don't. That mm -hmm. theory, no. Right. Done. No. And there was no sign of a struggle. There wasn't any blood. No foreign DNA in or on the car. And I, I don't think she was pulled out of her car. No. From her car. No. It doesn't no. mean she wasn't taken, though. Right. But I, yeah, yeah I, I, no, done. Right. She could have been lured away. Like, if you think about the video she took of herself, she was in distress. Right. Right before she disappeared. Akira said she was starting to come unglued. She was not herself. Someone was after her, etc. She was very, very vulnerable. And she saw no way out of whatever she had gotten herself into. Yeah. They look for that in human trafficking victims. Right. The snatch and grab from the Target parking lot is not typically the case. No. Her vulnerability would have made her like, such an easy target for someone. Maybe even someone that she knew and trusted. Right. Like the note maybe could have been, had something to do with that. Like a Michael, mm -hmm. allegedly. Yeah. And you know what I was thinking? Michael number two could have just said that because he just assumed Right. That she was dead, too. That's the thing. I think some people make that mistake. Like, I think so. I was having trouble saying is or was. Yeah. But, yeah. but they're going to look for someone like Phoenix in, in her state of mind. Right. It would be easy for, like, a pimp 
or someone she didn't know was a pimp to come along and be like, hey, I can help you. I'm going to get you out of here. She's groomed into what they want her to be. She's mm-hmm. cut off from everyone she knows. She's being used for sex work and she's dependent on this pimp now. And if this is the case, would she be too shameful to come back home to her deeply religious parents? Right. Or can she just not find a way out? So whatever the reason was for her being in East St. Louis, I don't know. But it could have been some fucking killer out there who like, oh, I need help with my car. Can I borrow your phone? He takes her and murders her and the body hasn't been found. I think there would be more signs of a struggle. I mean, you can't rule it out. You can't rule it out. You can't rule anything out. But like if some just random predator found her and wanted to kill her, she had that knife. Yeah. She was a fencer. She was a smart woman. Yeah. And like the state that she was in, I don't think she would have just been like, yeah, okay, like stranger, I'll help you with your flat tire. You know what I mean? I don't know. Although at the same time, we have mentioned that she probably didn't have a lot of street smarts yeah while she's incredibly intelligent yeah book smart right since she hasn't had to be in any kind of situations like that mm-hmm. yeah who knows God. we don't know you yeah. don't know and then there's a theory that she staged her own disappearance could one of the michaels have helped her I feel like someone, if she did this, someone would have had to help her. Absolutely. That's so much planning, money, things to think about. Time that that takes. Maybe she paid someone that $2,500 that she stole. Right. We go back to the video, how she was saying she wanted to start over, start a new life. Mm -hmm. There's the thing with having two birth certificates. There's the fact that she walked right out of her house and left. Maybe she wanted to start a new life or maybe she was scared and running from someone. And she told Akira she thought someone was following her. Mm -hmm. Maybe she thought she had no other choice or something was happening that day. Maybe her time was up. Right. To make whatever this choice was. Right. Or she thought it was. No one was after her if she just wanted to start fresh, so to speak. She would not have left at 3 p.m. in the afternoon on a Sunday when everyone is home. Yeah. And tons of people could have seen her and identified her and all of that. There's no way. She was too smart for that. Right. Unless, like you said, she thought her time was up. She had to go. It makes my head spin. Mm Mm-hmm. And we know that she was in distress because of the video. She was fighting with her parents. She pulled a weapon on her best friend. Mm -hmm. She had a burner phone. She dropped out of school. She was dating at least two guys at the same time. Things were just not good. But how, how do you keep yourself hidden for that long? For this long? It's been nine years. Right. I would have to imagine it isn't easy to leave no trace, especially in this digital age. So if she left on her own, I don't think it was just because she was unhappy. I think there had to have been something else at play, something bad, whether it was something she got herself into or something that she was afraid might happen. Mm -hmm. Something that I thought was troubling was on the Oxygen show, when they presented Goldia and Lawrence with the idea that Phoenix could have left on her own, she got pissed. Mm -hmm absolutely pissed phoenix would never do that in her mind and i know it comes from a place of grief right and and a little bit of denial i'm sure yeah because she found out all of this stuff about her daughter that she had no idea about right and i think she is in denial a little bit but and i know who wouldn't be and who am i i've never been in her situation i hope i never am but i think you have to look at every possibility Mm -hmm. i understand why she wouldn't want to Right. But you have to. Me too. Mm -hmm. So, and I think if Phoenix did leave on her own accord, that doesn't mean she's okay. 
I mean, like, how likely is it that she's just living a happy life somewhere under a different name in a cute apartment with a cat? Right. I don't think it's likely at all. I have a feeling that she's out there somewhere, but I have this deep gut feeling that her life is hell. Yeah. Right now. I ha- I hate that. Mm-hmm. And we could theorize all day long, but right. the fact of the matter is there are secrets we may never know. We don't know what's on that burner phone. We don't know who or what types of people she was involved with. And several of her friends refuse to speak about her. I wonder if they have been threatened themselves. Maybe. Or maybe they were all in on something nefarious together and they don't want to incriminate themselves. I I don't know. Doesn't this case just make you want to get into investigative journalism? Now do you understand why I... uh, I understand the rabbit hole. Was like in this rabbit hole. The whack-a-mole. Yeah. The whole shebang. God. So as for possible sightings of Phoenix, there have been a lot. There were a few people interviewed on the Oxygen show who claimed to have seen Phoenix. And I don't want to completely discredit these people, but I'm not going to like lay these stories out. They've been followed up by authorities. They're unconfirmed and they're not 100% reliable. So, I mean, we talked about it, I think, on that um Mandela effect episode a long time ago like a year ago Mm -hmm. how weird the human brain is Mm -hmm. it's just it's not you can't rely on that Mm -hmm. they checked him out they searched for her at this airport because this lady thought she saw her on a plane it's they've been followed up on there's just there's nothing there well when you and when you say it like that it just makes you think about the fact that any of these people who saw potentially saw her must have had recently seen something about her in the media. They were friends. These two, at least. I'm sure there's people that didn't know her that claimed to have seen her, but these two were close friends. Right. So let's say, you know, this uh, one of them who didn't know her had just saw a story about her. And then she's, it's in the back of her mind. And we all know the brain is a fucking complex thing. And then she thinks that she sees her because she's thinking about her. Exactly. You know and like I, I said, mean. I don't want to completely discredit them. Yeah. Because it's possible. You never know. You you don't know. And I'm sure sightings like that have led to um, people being found. Mm-hmm. But yeah. But someone out there knows something about what happened that day. Absolutely. Phoenix has been missing for over nine years. She would be 32 years old now. She was 23 when she disappeared. She's black, five foot six, 125 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. She was last seen wearing a black hooded sweatshirt, gray sweatpants with the word Lindenwood or UMSL on the leg, and black tennis shoes. Her ears are pierced and she may wear glasses. Anyone with tips or information is urged to call the St. Louis County Police Department at 314-889-2341. We'll put that in the show notes and on social media as well. But that is everything that I found on Phoenix Colden. Good job, man. That was crazy. It's a wild ride of a story, and it's it's sad above all else. It's heartbreaking. With all the secrets and lies and intrigue. At the end of the day, these parents don't know where their daughter is. Right. And that is a human life. Yep. And in the very beginning, we've said it a million times, qualified people have said it a million times. The first 48 (laughs) hours are the most crucial. and And Phoenix and her parents and her family and friends were let down. Mm-hmm. by law enforcement in those yeah. first 48 hours. Yep. But yeah, we'll make sure that we leave all the information just in case. Because mm-hmm. I know some of you live near Yeah, this there. is my second case in a row. My second case from Missouri. Yeah. So yeah, that's it. That's the case of Phoenix Colden. And I think, it's unsolved, you guys. I think that this might be one of my new cases that 
makes me do a lot of spiraling. Yeah. Because yeah. there's got to be, there's answers out there and you know that there are. Yeah. And it's so maddening to me. I've said maddening 10 times. I've replaced truly with maddening during <laughs> it's this episode. truly maddening. Um, You know that there's, th- that there's someone out there holds answers and they're yes. not giving them up to give this family peace. Yeah. Whether that is someone who was directly involved with her disappearance, whether that is someone who was driving by that night. Right. And saw something. Whether it's a friend who knows where she was going that day, somebody has the key. Yep. Katie? Yes, Tori. Are you are you reading, watching, or listening anything at all? Uh, well, I watched that two-part Oxygen yeah. series. That's called The Disappearance of Phoenix Colden. I've never Oxygen. even heard about that. Um, I watched it on Hulu. I think you can watch it straight from Oxygen if you're, if you're able to do that with your if provider you so or whatever. Inclined. Yeah. Thank you for letting um, us know. <laughs> I haven't watched anything besides that. I haven't even read anything besides these articles and stuff. I, I spent this entire week in this case. Yeah. And I haven't really done anything Well, you else. were still doing it at least Friday night. Yeah. Because I remember you telling me you needed to try and yeah, put I told things you, together. <laughs> I was typing so feverishly that yes. I, I had to go in and clarify some stuff because <laughs> I was just going and going and going. This is kind of how I was with the Lily Led murders, mm-hmm. which was last the week before. Yeah, yeah. And I've just been, um, you know, making cookies, making... Um, Designing stuff, designing Ooh. stuff for Valentine's Day for our Patreons and designing a book cover for you. And oh, just busy, busy, busy. Lots of going, things. going, going. Speaking of Patreon, yes, you guys are going to be getting little gifts in the mail in the coming weeks for Valentine's Day. Because you're our loves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we always like to take, I don't think I did it in the last episode, but I like to make sure that we mention the Patreon members oh, yeah. in our episodes. Without further ado, Tracy. Casey, Bianca, Cassie, Jessica, Christina, Katie, Katie, D, Maggie, Chastity, Autumn, Crystal, Leslie, Tara, Jen, Angela, Carmen, Kat. Thank you so fucking wow. much. Wow. The great. list is longer now. It really is. And if you want to become a Patreon, we'll talk about that in a minute. But before. Before. My reading, watching, and listening. Yes. What about you? What mm. are you? What have you been up to? I know you finished a book or two. Yeah, I finished a couple. What's I that know. like? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I I re- I do a lot of audiobooks because I'm yeah. in the car for my day job. 24/7. I would too. I would too if I spent a lot of time in the car. Yeah, totally. It's, it's almost always audiobooks anymore. So I listened to Don't Look For Me by Wendy Walker. 10 out of 10. Recommend. That's that black cover, right? With the yes, raining Jeremy sparks. Jeremy had a... Yeah interview with her yes Yes. so loved that book by wendy walker i i really really enjoyed it if i didn't make that clear it looks good (laughs) i love the cover i do too i am still reading by our lovely love ls pullen burning embers that one's Mm -hmm. taking me longer because i'm reading like actually reading it with my eyes via my kindle (laughs) yeah so that takes longer because i only read like four pages a day Mm -hmm. if that that's how i am i'm because i still have the wrong family right now and i read like one page at a time before three still yeah the wrong family before someone comes up and somebody always wants something mom 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 and then tanner's like katie Katie, what's for dinner Katie. that's my worst yep thing Bane of your that i've ever been asked what's yeah. for dinner i go i don't know <laughs> you Make tell me i go what are you making me i don't know <laughs> god <laughs> all right anyway yeah so i'm still reading the burning embers and i'm reading the wrong family and i'm reading 
another book that I can't remember off the top of my head. And I'm listening to The Other Misses by Mary Kubica. Okay. I messed her name up. I'm sorry. But that's the other book I'm reading. I'm mm-hmm. listening to right now. So guys, if you are interested in joining our Patreon and becoming a Patreoner and getting all of your extra cool stuff. Getting all of your extra fix of Katie and I. Yeah. If that's what you really want, we'll give it I to you. I need a hit. <laughs> Baby, give I me need it. a hit. <laughs> um, you can find the link to that on our Instagram on the link tree. Our Instagram is at cruel and unusual the pod. Our email is cruel and unusual the pod at gmail.com. I Send tweet. us your wait. Oh. <laughs> I'm leaving it. I always try and get it in there real quick. Send us your stories. <laughs> oh. Yeah, please. Because um I'm just gonna throw it out there. We yeah. still haven't gotten any. Our um the link to our Patreon is on our Twitter too. So yeah. mm-hmm. I tweet <laughs> at cruel unusual pod. You can also check out our website. It's got our merch. It's got stuff about um our books. That is cruel ink media. Com. Com. Is that it? I think that actually might be it for now. You guys are drinking a gallon of water already today and yep. I'm going to go pee. All right. So I love you. <sighs> love you. Bye. Bye.